maybe I'm crazy, but the Seattle Seahawks are completely losing it. Not in a good way. Can you lose it in a good way? I don't know, but they're not. Maybe I'm crazy, maybe I'm crazy, maybe I'm not. Welcome to the Maybe I'm Crazy podcast. I'm Joy Taylor. Uh, a little bit of a different setting. I apologize. I was uh, I had big plans to get the studio set up in my new place um, over the weekend and yesterday, and instead I took a nap. So we are uh, we're we have a different background today, but it will be it'll be fixed by next week. I moved over the weekend and I don't have everything set up, so I apologize for the plants and the corner of my uh, paintings, a new setting for those of you who are watching on YouTube. Uh, for those that are listening, uh, you don't care, but appreciate you anyway. Uh, Kevin Clark of The Ringer joins us today. He is excellent. He does Slow News Day and lots of other content for The Ringer. We'll talk a little NFL offseason with him and discuss those crazy Seattle Seahawks. Whole Crazy Gang is here. Heller, Donnie, and T. And uh, whew, that Bachelor finale last night was crazy. Um, and some other things to talk about from the Grammys with T as well. But let's get started with Kevin Clark. All right, very excited to have my friend Kevin Clark from The Ringer on the Maybe I'm Crazy podcast. Kevin is uh, obviously an amazing contributor to the business, but he also, if you don't know, is an excellent tweeter and is the <laughs> owner. Is the owner? I guess you can call the you, you can own a tweet, right? Like sure, creator, whatever yeah. you want to call it. Sure, I'm not selling them like Top Shots yet. Yeah, no, I mean, oh my God, no. Uh, <laughs> it's so amazing that people, like, that of all the things that are useless things I'm paying for, I draw the line at paying yes. for someone's tweets. That yes. is where I draw the line. I'm not a very principled person, but I will I will stand by that, that I'm not going to do that. Um, but I would have paid for this tweet, um, which is where I want to start, which, which is, in my opinion, in the Twitter Hall of Fame. Um, so I want to know what it's like to to be the owner of one of the greatest tweets of all time, which is that the Seattle Seahawks have never, literally never played in a normal game. So I was on your show a couple of months ago and Colin brought me in and he, he pumps me up and he says, you know, Kevin, you're known throughout this industry and I'm getting all excited. Colin Cowherd, he's about to say something really nice about me. And he goes, you're known throughout this industry for this tweet. And I was like, oh, come on, <laughs> come on. You know, maybe a story, maybe a podcast. No, it's the tweet. No. So, uh, yeah, no, it's funny because it's one of those things. Um, and I'm just joking. I love Colin. Um, but I, it was it was just a funny moment there um, because it's one of those things where I it was a Seahawks Niners game. And I just it was I think it was an overtime. There was some missed kicks. And I was just like, this is not normal. The Seahawks have never done this before. And then it grew into its own thing. And to now, you know, anytime the Seahawks are, are doing anything. Uh, it gets retweeted. I was able to ask DK Metcalf about it um, on Swan Newsday, our, our video show that we have a couple of weeks ago, and he, he knew all about it. Um, and so I just think that there's, it fed into this idea that the Seahawks are just totally comfortable with chaos and, and they like it. And it's, every Seahawks fan is just like, they're so over it. And like, you know, it, it's funny because they're going to miss it one day. Just the, just the fact that, that they all play these, you know, 21 to 20 games all the time and it's just chaos. But uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's fun to see how that has grown over the past couple of years. You, as you said, you lost control of it. <laughs> yes. 
Yeah, exactly. Now it's just like it's it's being memed all the time. When they played that game against Arizona this year, the Kyler Murray game, the overtime one, um, it was just it was getting memed out of control. And I was like, this is not my tweet anymore. This is it's like Terminator <laughs> 2. It's become self-aware. I have, I have nothing to do with it anymore. <laughs> well, I wanted to start there, uh, one, because it's, it's one of my favorite tweets. But I think it's relevant to what the Seahawks are doing now, because yeah. Um, you mentioned my co-host, Colin Cowherd, who is is from the Pacific Northwest and is a Seahawks fan um, and loves Russell Wilson. I, too, am a, am a Russell Wilson fan. Um, and I like the Seahawks brands and Pete Carroll, and they're fun and uh, always relevant. But I think what's going on with Russell Wilson and the Seahawks is, is, is anarchy. It's insanity to yeah. me. I don't, I don't understand it. Russell Wilson has been the epitome of a company guy from the moment he set foot in the NFL. I mean, I met him at the Super Bowl, and I was like, He's like, he's like Jesus. Like he's so, he's so <laughs> like, he has, I don't know, he has on this like sweatsuit. He just looks like someone who could like wear an all white sweatsuit and sure. like not get anything on it all day. Like he, he's just, you, you know how it is. He just has this I air do. about him. He just, just excellence. And the Seahawks are acting as if he is like this chaos maker. And they're actually yeah. having a conversation about trading him. And I don't understand. It's surprising to me and I've talked to a bunch of people about this, about it's so easy for this to have been put to bed, right? Like even the Texans are pretending to have put the Deshaun Watson thing to bed, right? Like they keep right. having these press conferences where like Deshaun's our guy, whatever. And Deshaun's not, not having it, obviously, that's a separate discussion. But the Seahawks haven't even done that. Like they seem to just keep stoking the fire a little bit. And okay, there are certain things where, oh, they're over this or they're over that. I don't care. Every team who has a franchise quarterback puts up with certain things. Well, it doesn't matter what it is, whether that's Tom Brady or whether that's Deshaun Watson or whether that's Russell Wilson or whether it's Patrick Mahomes. I mean, not ev- people are, are human. And so you're not going to have a hundred percent approval rating of everything you do. And the point of running a successful franchise is to figure everything out. And the fact that they see Russell Wilson, uh, you know, being unhappy or whatever with, with, with management or whatever it is, the fact they see this, this is a huge obstacle is crazy to me. And beyond that, Joy, like, what's the problem with Russell Wilson having say in the front office or Aaron Rodgers having say in the front office or Deshaun Watson having say in the front office? Because for me, the, the, the needs and the desires of Russell Wilson would dovetail with the Seahawks. Offensive linemen. Okay, well, is there a reason you shouldn't have good offensive linemen? Is there a reason you shouldn't get more skilled guys? I mean, you should at least have these conversations. It's not like he's trying to, to sign his friends or whatever. Like I remember when uh, when Dwight Howard was uh, was it was going to be a free agent with the Magic, and they were like signing his friends and stuff to try to try to get him to stay. Or the whole the thing was going to be was, they were going to trade for Josh Smith because they'd played AAU ball together. And it's like no, Russell's not asking for that. He's asking to be protected up front, and he's he's asking for more say. Russell Wilson's a smart guy, and if you if he wants to be in the draft room just hanging out, or he wants to be on free agency calls, let him. That's it. I mean, you you can't this whole idea about the player empowerment era or whatever. And there's this whole debate, should players have whatever? Yes, they should. If the alternative is you not making good decisions or in the Deshaun Watson's case, you know, you're giving the power to Jack Easterby, okay? Like you can't argue against the player empowerment era if you're giving the power to just someone who doesn't need the power. This is not about Bill Belichick versus a franchise quarterback. It's Jack Easterby or it's Pete Carroll. Or it's John Schneider against the quarterback. Um, obviously, Pete Carroll and John Schneider are significantly more better football minds. But I'm just saying, if you don't intend to make the team better, that's on you. Right. And I, I totally agree with everything that you're saying. And you're absolutely right. But also, 
when you allow these stories to be out there that like, yeah. Yes. Or just even even allow us to think that there's there's a thought being just entertained. Put it to, like put it, put it to bed. Yeah, there was a story yesterday that like watch out for Sam Darnold. I'm like, right. okay, like no disrespect to Sam Darnold, but you have right. Russell Wilson, who's a future Hall of Famer, on your team. And to your point, all he's asking for is a better offensive line. Yep. Gee, uh, gosh, I mean, he he's only on pace to be sacked more than any quarterback in the history of the league. I feel like that's fair. It's available. Yep. Right. Yep. But but my thing is, I think that the pushback from and this this ties into Deshaun Watson as well, that you bring that up is this idea that like players have too much say or like they, they right. want to be involved in things and they're not qualified to be involved in things. And it's like it just doesn't matter anymore. Like players make so much money outside of their contracts. And we're not just talking about mm -hmm. any players. We're talking about franchise quarterbacks who make, Zach Prescott made $50 million yeah. in endorsements last year. Football is a, a vehicle and a business and they want to be involved in making their business better just like you are. And to your yep. point, if they're asking for crazy nonsense, sure, but offensive line is reasonable. So then yep. that leads me to Deshaun Watson because the conversation around him has sort of died down a little bit in what has been a really crazy offseason for the NFL. I personally feel like we have to do everything we can to protect Deshaun Watson and get him the hell out of Houston. Yes. But Houston seems to be content in making this very ugly. Do you think it's going to get worse? I think it comes down to, and there's some people who think maybe it gets resolved by the draft because it's just easier. If you know it's a divorce, if you know you cannot proceed, it makes all the sense in the world to trade him before the draft because that's when you know you can get the third pick if it's Miami or maybe you talk him into the Jets at two or maybe there's a three-team trade or whatever it is, but you have certainty and you're not rolling the dice into next year or, or whatever it is, okay? I think it's going to come down personally, just reading the situation. I think it's going to come down to the willingness for Deshaun Watson to, to sit out games, um, to sit out maybe regular season games, or maybe it's just training camp. And also, by the way, I think a big part of this, how normal is this offseason? Does he skip OTAs? Does, is there a full training camp for him even to skip? Um, I think things will be kind of back to normal by July, but we'll, we'll, we'll kind of see how that goes. Um, I think eventually they're going to trade him because I don't think he's going to suit up for the Houston Texans again. But I do think that they're going to make this a painful process for him um they just signed tyrod taylor for 12 million dollars um i don't know if you do that unless you're extremely worried uh, about your quarterback position um i think tyrod taylor is a good player but i also just think that there's i think there's a sense of reality setting in which is that deshaun watson is never going to be all in on the houston texans he was amazing last year like there's there's an argument we made i saw it on pro football focus he had one of the best seasons last year of any quarterback in the last 15 years when you talk about supporting cast and all that stuff and, and skill guys and, and protection and he was all in when he was on the field i just think they understand with the new coach with the new gm with with you know, apparently they're just trying to build around Jack Easterby. Um, I think that they understand that, that it's probably time to try to get some value for him. So the Patriots made it rain over the past couple of days. <laughs> and I mean, not like they did and they didn't. Like, I don't like to get into mm. the nuances of like what, how much guaranteed money is actually in all these contracts, but they made it look yeah. like they were being, at the very least they're being aggressive. Um, I think that this is actually kind of predictable if you have any kind of respect for Bill Belichick, because there was no way he was just going to sit back and just continue right. to take L's, uh, especially after Tom Brady just went to Tam 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 Tampa Bay, T Tampa, Tampa Bay, Bay. <laughs> Tampa Bay, and uh, won a Super Bowl. But yeah. uh, are we being fooled by the amount of moves? Like, what do you think of what the Patriots have done? 
Well, he, Bill Belichick showing us the great thing about free agency joy is teams tell you what they think about the players and the league and all that stuff. And Bill Belichick hated the 2020 Patriots. He hated them. He never wants to see that team again. Okay. And so he's trying doing the, the best. So I, Adam Schefter had a number that they spent the second most money in history um, behind only the, the Dolphins last year. Um, the Jets spent $231 million over two off seasons a couple of years ago. Um, that was the most over two years, but over one year, it's the Dolphins and now it's the Patriots. And I'm not surprised they're doing it because I think that th- this is the only way they can compete in 2021. If Bill Belichick was going to tank, he would have done it last year. He doesn't want to tank. He doesn't want to go seven and nine, but he does definitely doesn't want to go three and 13. And so what he's doing now is the only thing to, to kind of patch up that roster, overpaying for Nelson Aguilar or whatever it is. Um, I was surprised by that move because normally Nelson Aguilar is the type of guy Belichick would sign for the minimum, and then he would go to a Las Vegas for $26 million, right? It's, now it's the opposite. He goes to Las Vegas on a minimum deal, and now Belichick's paying him $26 million. That never happens. He's always the value shopper, not the overpayer. But I think that when you look at, okay, you can't get that many impact players in the draft. And I, as odd as it sounds, you're not going to get a Nelson Aguilar type contributor after the first round it, it is when you're looking just at 2021, especially when you look at how bad Belichick is at drafting skill guys. And so what this is, is it's, it's, it's a little bit of desperation. It's the only thing he can do, which is go get veterans now. This is in a weird way an inefficiency because he's the only guy with money. You know, there's like five teams that have actual money to spend. And he's one of them. And so he's going to say, you know what, if I have to give $5 million more to Nelson Aguilar or uh, Kendrick Bourne or whomever it is, I'm just going to do it because it's the only way in 2021 to compete. So I want to ask you a little bit about the draft before I let you go, uh, because we we love pre-draft videos. Yeah. Colin and I love playing those and imagining <laughs> that, that it's it's real life and it's really just guys in their shorts throwing the football around. Yeah. But, I, you know, I hadn't seen a lot of Trey Lance, but he's a big kid. Yeah. And uh, I don't mind that. I, I don't mind that we have all kinds of different quarterbacks now, but, you know, there's been a lot of talk about him uh, over the past couple months. Obviously, he wasn't, he didn't play last year, but who is uh, of these, you know, obviously you have Trevor Lawrence and we know he's going to be great. Who, who of these, the rest of these guys in the draft could you actually see being successful? Not just based off of their talent, what they've done in college, but where, where they will most likely land as well. Yeah. So I think that's a great question. I think that, you know, one of the things like Daniel Jeremiah said this on my podcast, I'm sure he said it to you as well. This is going to be a baseball draft. Like this is going to be, we don't have that much information. We're going to go off the tools. Some of these Trey Lance didn't play last year. Zach Wilson played a weird schedule. Um, and, and I think that when there's limited information, you kind of have to guess on, on this kind of stuff. That's what he means by baseball draft. But with Zach Wilson, more and more smart people are starting to talk themselves into him because of all the off-balance throws and all that stuff and the way he gets out of the pocket. And I'm wondering if you know, he had opportunities to throw those off-balance passes. And people are saying, oh, he looks like Aaron Rodgers or Brett Favre or Mahomes or whatever. And I think we're getting a little too far uh, ahead of ourselves. Um, and so Wilson, it sounds like it's going to go – to the Jets at two, which is just fascinating. Um, I think Lawrence in Jacksonville is going to be really successful because I know I know that you asked for somebody other than that, but I think the Urban Meyer thing is going to work. I think that someone's going to get Trey Lance in the top of the top half of the first round and is going to be really successful with him. I don't know what that is. I don't know. Maybe maybe it's in Atlanta um, with Arthur Smith. I could see that. Um, I saw Mac Jones kind of mocked to, to Atlanta at one point. Uh, maybe Carolina tries to do that. I mean, you look at some of the innovative young coaches in this league, Joy, whether that's Matt Rule, whether that's Arthur Smith. Um, I think there's real opportunities for them to get a guy in the top half of the first round and just start molding. 
And that's what I would look to. I don't think you want to play for the Jets right now. I have huge respect for Robert Sala, um, but but I, I just think that they're still a couple of years away and, and we'll see about the skill guys. Um, I think if you get into that sweet spot in the middle, you know, people are talking about DJ Moore as the kind of guy who's always kind of, who, who could use a better quarterback and has a lot of talent. I, I, I'm looking at a place like Carolina or Atlanta where they'll start building for the future now with one of those middle of the first round guys. I would love to see him in Atlanta or Justin Fields. I, I think that they, yes. I mean, they need to take a quarterback. Um, I, I, I don't know. I guess I just can't see Atlanta taking a quarterback. I think that they're going to have to move on. They can't move on from Matt Ryan this year, right? The, the, right. the contract, the contract is way too big, but if you're Atlanta to me was always fascinating because you're inheriting Julio Jones, you're inheriting Matt Ryan, you're inheriting a ton of huge contracts. And do you say, okay, we have these, those guys, let's try to build even though you don't have the cap space, let's try to build and win now. Or do you say we're going to have to tear the whole thing down? And that's, that was what was fascinating to me. And I would also say the same thing of Detroit, Joy, because they had Matthew Stafford and a similar type of thing where it's, okay, we have some of these big ticket items, even though we've been bad the past couple of years. And they went with the trading Stafford almost immediately route. Um, Matt Ryan's contract was, was different. Um, they both, they both, both obviously make a ton of money. Uh, but I think that, that we could be seeing the last year of Matt Ryan just because when you have a new regime um, and, and they, they don't have the ability to, to build a ton of pieces around them. Uh, the, you know, we were talking about this the other day on, on the herd, but uh, the NFC South right now goes through Tampa. And what are you doing right now? And this is how every owner views this. How are you as, as the Atlanta Falcons going to get past a Tom Brady, Tampa Bay Buccaneers right now with Shaq Barrett, Levante, David, Chris Godwin, all those guys in the fold. I don't see it. And so if you're doing a short-term build, that's not going to work. So you might as well start a long-term build and compete with Carolina uh, as far as I- I'm not trying to win in 2021. I'm trying to win in 2023 when hopefully, hopefully for their sake, Tom Brady finally retires, although we know he's going to go for another decade. <laughs> yeah, I got out of the when Tom Brady is going to retire business a long time ago. Um, and it was a good career. It was a good career move. I mean, that I got out of that. And um, after the Atlanta Super Bowl, I just submitted that I'm just going to enjoy watching Tom Brady um, and just, you know, start. I mean, because he's made me suffer. I'm a Steelers fan and a Dolphins fan. So I've just I've had nothing but suffering from Tom Brady. It's still <laughs> wild to, to like hear you say, like, going through the Tom Brady Buccaneers. Like, that's the thing. And they're bringing everybody back. Yeah, I mean, and, and and Tom Brady's still really good, and it's unbelievable. I mean, there was a case to be made. I saw some some of the analytics guys say that may have been Tom Brady's second best season ever. And he's 43 years old, and he wants to play till he's 46. And that's why it's so funny to me. You know, Matt Ryan, his contract goes through 2023. He's 36 years old. And it's funny to me because I start to think, well, is Matt Ryan getting old or is, is Tom Brady the new normal? Because guys like Tom Brady, or even I put Drew Brees in this discussion, who age so well, I don't know if I should expect that from Matthew Stafford and Matt Ryan and this whole generation of guys. But And I also just don't know at 43 years old how long Tom Brady can go for. So Brady in particular, he's talked about playing till 46, and a lot of that's based on the fact that uh, his throwing coach was Tom House, who, who uh, was a baseball guy who, who was the pitching coach for Nolan Ryan. And the mechanics of baseball and football are apparently similar. And Nolan Ryan could throw that fastball until he was 46. And so a lot of it's based on that. But at this point, I mean, I, until Tom Brady is sitting at home uh, on week one of an NFL season, I, I'm going to assume he can still do it. I'm, I'm 100% with you. It's an exercise in futility not to. I don't understand why anyone suffers through it anymore. Um, thank you so much for coming on with us. I really appreciate it. Follow uh, Kevin by Kevin Clark. Check out Slow News Day, which is excellent, and all of his other work on The Ringer. 
Um, I appreciate it. I know you're super busy, um, but we appreciate you uh, coming by. Thanks for having me, Joy. Anytime. With it. With it. What's up, Heller? What am I winning or quitting today? What's up, Joy? How are you? I'm good. I'm in the new digs. Um, yeah, I can I did see not that. have a chance to set up my studio yet, so I'm in the corner by my bar cart. Nice. I can see that, and I can also hear that because there's no road sounds in the background, so this is great. Yes, it's, it's much more quiet in, in my new place, which is wonderful. And it's going to be even more quiet when I get set up because it's going to be in a room. What? You got a whole studio? Impressive. Impressive. We're never doing this in person again, are we? All right. Um, Anyway. I hope so. I hope so. Come on. Um, All right. Let's get let's get into it. Uh, Drew Brees is the athlete that most represents his team mascot. Sure, Wayne Gretzky was a Los Angeles King for a time, and Odell Beckham was briefly a New York Giant. But there's no question that Drew Brees is a New Orleans Saint. So what does Sean Payton do now? Uh, You know what they say about two QBs, Joy. Joy, the Saints will struggle without St. Drew. Wit it or quit it. Yeah, I'm with it. Uh, Normally, they say uh, if you have two quarterbacks, you have no quarterback. Settle. But in this situation, I find it kind of interesting. So they re-signed Jameis Winston. He was a free agent. Uh, yep, $5 million dollar deal, but it's really only like $1 million guaranteed. Right. Um, and obviously they have Taysom Hill under contract for a bajillion dollars. Um, restructured that too, though. They restructured that's kind of, that's kind of funny money too. Yeah, he's still making more than Cam Newton, from what I understand. It's insane. But Taysom Hill is a starting franchise quarterback. I think Jameis Winston think is. But he's also very productive for the defense on the other team. <laughs> that said, he has lost a lot of weight and he has had LASIK surgery. He was saying he was really having a hard time seeing uh, how much that's going to play into the interceptions. I don't know. I imagine that's something to do with it. It can't all be just horrific decision making, or maybe it is. I don't know. But I think that this is one of those situations where I'm interested to see what happens in training camp in this quarterback competition. Because look, I'll give a grace period to a team that's replacing a legend, right? Drew Brees had an incredible first ballot Hall of Fame career. We know what he did for the city of New Orleans. Obviously, he, you know, had the incidents with the All Lives Matter and the flag, but I think he handled that in an appropriate Drew Brees-like way um, with some humility and conversations. And He wore it. um, he wore it and took accountability for it. Yeah. So, I mean, he, you know, he had a legendary career and it's hard to replace someone like Drew Brees. So I, I'm, I'm not really going to hold it against the, the Saints for having two quarterbacks in this situation. Um, we knew Drew Brees was, was going to retire, but they had to go all in with him this year. That's why they were so far over the cap going into this offseason. So I, I think yeah. I, I want to see what Jameis has. Uh, I, I'm not, I've never been a huge fan um, of Jameis, and I didn't think he should have been taken as high. I wouldn't have taken Jameis. I also wouldn't have taken Marcus Mariota. I didn't like either one of them in the draft, and uh, I've been mostly right. Like they, they have neither one of them have accomplished they had moments, much but of anything. Yeah. They had moments, but um, they're backups now. And we'll see if Jameis can win the starting job in New Orleans. I mean, he said he went there because he wanted to learn. You know, he wanted to go to quarterback Harvard, Harvard, Harvard of quarterback school. He got one year. Um, I don't know if he graduated. We'll see. We'll see, but I, I'm not. I'm not totally against it. Normally, I'm very anti-quarterback competition, as you know. But I think in this situation, they really don't have a choice. And 
they do have a lot of pieces still. They still have a great defense. They still have a lot of skill pieces. So uh, I'm not completely out on the Saints. I, I, don't, I don't think they're going to win the division because it's, it's the Bucks division now to win um, or to lose, I should say. It goes, the road goes to the Bucks in that division. But I'm interested still in what the Saints are going to do this year. And I want to see what Jameis and Taysom really have because I'm, I'm just writing Taysom off and maybe he'll come out and prove everybody wrong. I doubt it. But either way, I'm not completely out on the Saints. I think between the two of them, they have one good quarterback, but they can't feud together, unfortunately. And so, well, you know, I mean, kind of, yes. Like Sean Payton did Sean, a pretty yeah. good job of, of mixing in Taysom Hill and, and Jameis in some really interesting spots. And that's kind of why I, I, I do think that they're going to struggle in that they're not going to be as good as they were last year. But right. I do think it's going to be interesting how he uses both of them because obviously they're pacing, paying Taysom Hill a lot, even though they restructured it. And he does have a certain skill set. I have a particular set of skills. Um, <laughs> Good so luck. I want, to see what he, I want to see what he does, man. Like, it's just, it's, he's done so many of the same movies that, like, they could have just all been, like, taken three or four or five or yep. whatever. But that, that phone call was one of Amazing. the best scenes Amazing. in cinematic history. Amazing. And the man, the man Joy's referring to, of course, is Liam Neeson's. If you don't say the S, you're not woke. So you should say the S. Uh, I, um, at one point in my life, I lived in a, a house and I can say where, but my neighbors would continue to let their dogs shit in my front yard and they wouldn't clean it up and I could never catch them. And it angered me greatly that there was dog shit in my front yard. And so I wrote a note do? and I put it in the front yard and it said, if you keep letting your dog shit in my front yard, I'm going to call my uncle. I think I said it was my uncle who happens to be Liam Neeson uh, to come and get you. And I put it in my front yard. Did they? Did the dog stop shit in your yard? I don't remember. And I don't like <laughs> verbatim that. I have a picture of it somewhere, but it was basically like Liam Neeson's going to come get you and take you apart. That sounds like sounds like you wrote them a meme. It was a meme, and but I wanted I wanted to resonate in a way that what I couldn't go to jail for threatening them. It's like it's obviously a joke, but literally I'm I'm tired of your dog shit in my front yard. By the way, if you have a dog and you let your dog shit wherever and you don't clean it up, you're a terrible person. You don't get credit for like being a good person because you own a dog. And That's how that works. And you're taking away the only enjoyment that non-dog owners such as myself get, which is watching you clean up their doo-doo. That's always funny for me. So just so you know, when you're like, ah, I gotta clean up this dog shit, which you have to to be a good person. I'm laughing at you. So just know yeah, that. Yeah, the world to, the world is not your dog's toilet. Nope. Um, yeah, it's not even, yeah, it's not even your kid's toilet. So don't your dogs don't definitely don't get that grace period. Anyway, let's bring it back around. You mentioned Sean Payton and I was getting there too. Uh, one of my favorite bits is uh, the referring to quarterbacks that I think went to the Brett Favre Gunslinger Academy. And I don't have this bit fully formed yet. But if there's like a gunslinger academy or like trick play academy for coaches, Sean Payton went to that, right? Sean Payton is a guest teacher at that. Sean Payton might even be on the board of that. So while he's proven he's been able to juggle injured Drew Brees, a little bit of Jameis and Taysom filling in, Taysom and Jameis, I'm not so sure. Like, I think he's going to have to get trickier and then at that point, we're like playing Aussie rules. I don't even know what we're doing. So I'm a little like, 
I'm hopeful, but I'm a little nervous about the Sean Payton uh, tweaking all the knobs on the DJ set there without the music of Drew Brees coming out of it. I feel you. I just think if anyone can do it, it's Sean Payton. Okay. Um, Well, let's keep talking football and move on to free agency, uh, which is fun for fans and sometimes also for players too. Uh, The NBA showed us that and the NFL really seems to get it now. Fitzmagic will compete with Taylor Heineke to be the Washington football team's signal caller. The Bucks restructured and retained everything. Uh, and the Patriots dropped $232 million on day one, Joy, and then added Hunter Henry today. So uh, they changed the landscape, and it's been pretty exciting. But let me ask you this, Joy. Belichick is winning free agency so far. Quit it or quit it. Uh, I saw you, speaking of memes, I saw you were memeing this up. You were memeing Belichick oh, yeah. up. I was even heavy. Um, I'm going to say all that. It in that he was hmm. clearly the most aggressive. And early bird gets the worm. A lot of people felt like, you know, the Patriots were kind of done. And I've been saying this ever since last year. Patriots were going to suck last year, and they did. They were not good. They didn't and suck that bad. Despite, they didn't suck as bad as I thought they were going to because they went and got Cam Newton, who then got COVID, and that was a problem. And they weren't great. Um, Ooh, like that. But Cam Newton did play pretty well down the stretch. They sucked for Patriots standards yeah. for sure. And they didn't have a winning record. But I knew Bill Belichick wasn't going to go out like that. And I've continued to say that. And it's obvious that he has no intention on doing that. We'll spend a bajillion dollars, $232 million. Now, look, all those signings aren't exactly – It's NFL contracts aren't exactly what they kind of – Yeah, no, it's like, – even, even Patrick Mahomes, like 10 years, half a billion dollars. Like, he's not going to see all that money. Half, that's half a billion, it. but not really. He'd have to win – NFL MVP every single year and make it to the Super Bowl every single year of that contract to see all that money. Do you anticipate that happening? Of course not. He already so, missed. He already, he already missed one, so it can't right, happen. Right, and that's listen. He's going to make a lot of money, but like yeah. NFL contracts are not as straightforward as they seem. You got to pay attention to the guaranteed money and the guaranteed years. Everything else is avoidable. Unless you're Dak but, Prescott, in which case you get everything you want if you just wait for it. Right. <laughs> Right. Unless your name is Zach Prescott, don't worry about it. This money is not for you. <laughs> but I do like that Bill Belichick was aggressive. And look, if you look at that division, uh, I don't know what the Dolphins would do. I guess I guess they're running it back with Tua Chunga They you did really sign excited. Jacoby Brissett today. I'm not, I'm not excited about it at all. I want them to get to Sean Watson. They signed Jacoby Brissett today. So obviously Fitzmagic, as you mentioned, went to uh, Washington football team, which is a very weird move to me. They still have money to make some other moves and maybe they'll do something in the draft, but like they have Taylor Heineke, they have Kyle Allen and they have Ryan Fitzpatrick. I, I mean, you know, that division isn't going to be as bad next year as everyone thinks it's going to be. But back to the AFC East, I mean, Bill Belichick and the Patriots are the second best team in the division now. Like, I don't know what, I don't know what Tua is. Like the Dolphins are a great defense. I love what they were doing last year, but we didn't really get a chance to see what Tua was because they were messing around yeah. with Fitzpatrick and him. So I don't know. They're getting eight players back that opted out. Some of them are really good players. And it's Bill Belichick. So obviously yep. the Bills are the team to beat in that division, but Bill made a lot of big moves. They have Jonu Smith and Hunter Henry. We know what they can do with tight ends. Gives Cam Newton uh, some weapons. That year that they went 13-3, and three, albeit it was a while ago with a different team, but he had a good defense. And his top receiver was Greg Olson. Who Greg Olson. Tight ends. So – you know, I'm, I'm, I'm nervous about the Patriots again. I don't think they'll win the division, but they can certainly make the playoffs. And, I mean, there's a, been a lot of crazy moves. Obviously, we just found out a few minutes ago, uh, Andy Dalton will be going to the Chicago Bears. 
Chicago. I don't know what, I don't know. I don't even have, I don't have the words. But one thing that is interesting, and Kevin Clark mentioned this earlier. Yeah. Um, that Tyrod Taylor was signed to a $12 million deal to the Houston Texans. That feels a little bit, a little bit like maybe Houston is moving towards, you know, we want to have a solid guy there if we end up moving off Deshaun or, Watson. So, yeah. Or just getting some familiar faces in there for Deshaun Watson, get some diversity. I know he was pushing for that in the front office. So, uh, I don't think that was the move was. I think they, they wanted somebody oh. who, uh, no, I think they wanted someone who is, <laughs> who is serviceable starter, which Tyrod is. And you yep. don't pay $12 million for Crazy. a backup in that situation. So there's a lot of moving parts still going on. The, the, the teams for Russell Wilson seem to be ticking away ever so slowly. So now it's down to the Raiders and the Saints, which we just talked about with James Winston. So kind of it's off the table for the Saints as well. Um, so it's down the Raiders, I guess. Like, are the Raiders going to get a deal done with Russell Wilson or is he going to open up to other teams or are they going to have to figure it out in Seattle? I don't know, but... I am glad that the NFL has finally embraced free agency because NBA free agency is the best. And this it's is pretty good though. This week's been pretty good, Joy. It's low-key better than the regular season. And this NFL free agency has been amaze balls. Real nice. I hope they keep it up. This yep. is what happens when you embrace stars. This is what happens when you let, let, let players have a little bit of mobility you know, have a little bit of power. And then we can have an amazing NFL offseason where we're talking more about the NFL in the free agency period than we are about the NBA, which is coming down to the stretch. And now it's March Madness this weekend. Like occupy the content space by speculation and moving things around. Like it's great. It's yeah. great for players. A lot of guys are getting paid as they deserve to. And uh, a lot of big, big time moves going on. So it's not over. And there's a lot of pieces to still fall in place. I don't know what's happening with Sam Darnold yet. It's, uh, it's, it's been pretty wild, but I'm here for it. Yeah. I mean, we learned, we learned a couple things um, from all this. We learned, uh, we re at least I relearned that backup quarterback is still the best job in all of, let's say, the world um, because you don't get hit and you get paid a lot of money and the pressure is very low. And if you come in, the expectations are low. So that's wonderful. Um, and I don't remember what my other, the other thing I learned was. So I think we'll probably just call it here. Sounds good. <laughs> What's up, Donnie? What's going on in High Key Loki? What is up? All right, High Key March Madness is back. After taking a year off because 2020 sucked in every way imaginable, all eyes are on Indiana as the tournament tips off on Thursday. Loki, you still got some time to change your mind and fill out multiple brackets, so we don't have to necessarily go through picks yet. But, Joy, which of the number one seeds do you think has the toughest road to the Final Four? Well, I filled out my brackets earlier today on fox sports radio um okay. so you can go to foxsportsradio.iheart.com and fill your bracket out um i know people like to fill out multiple brackets and um you know this is that annoying time of year where we all uh complain as soon as there's an upset oh my back is busted <laughs> Yeah, everybody's bracket's busted. Everyone's bracket is busted. If you make it to the third round, actually, without uh, a a bracket busting, like you're, that's excellence, actually. Yeah, yeah. Um, Yeah, so just don't tell us about your bracket busting. We'll assume it's busted. Exactly. If it's not, let us know. 
yeah, yeah. if it's let not at the end when you won then let us know um Just wait on it. <laughs> but i'm very glad that the tournament is back um i'm happy for all these these guys and ladies um that they are able to play in the tournament it was a yes. huge loss um for sports if they weren't able to have it my final four is gonzaga okay. kansas baylor and ohio state and i have uh Gonzaga, okay, wait, 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 sorry. That's my final four. Yeah. Wait, 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 it's messing it up. No, 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 that's, that's my uh, elite eight. Uh, Michigan, Texas, Illinois, West Virginia. And then my final four are Gonzaga, Texas, Ohio State, and Illinois. And I am going with Gonzaga, Illinois in the national championship game. Okay. And I'm going with Gonzaga to win. Uh, do with that what you will. I'm sure you will uh, have lots to argue about it. That's fine because this has been a weird season. And I don't think anybody knows any anything at all. Uh, it's all a guessing the blue game. Are in. It's all a guessing game. You don't yeah. know more than me. Um, I do love some of the stories, though. Uh, I like that Illinois is in it, um, playing well. Georgetown, obviously. Patrick Ewing, that's exciting. Yeah, it is. Um, USC, we got a little, a little Pac-12 action, so mm-hmm. that's cool. So uh, Texas, you know, there's a lot of big names, despite the fact that, um, you know, Kentucky, Louisville and Duke are not in it for the first time since like 1975 or 76. Super weird. It's strange. It is. is. Um, But I'm hyped for it. I'm excited to watch some college hoops um, and hopefully we'll get, you know, the usual upsets and uh, get to, you know, dig in on some teams we haven't really seen and somebody makes a run and it's, uh, you know, it's normal in that sense of it, but um, I'm yeah. looking forward to the tournament. Yeah. I'm i uh, I'm rooting for my team. The Wolverines go blue. I have to say they have a number one seed for the first time in a long time. And Juwan Howard's got them guys looking right. So we'll How see. How far do I have Michigan going? Let me see. Let me see. Let me see where we got it. Uh, I have them uh, beating St. St. Mary's. Okay. Um, and then beating LSU. Okay. And uh, then beating to... Florida State, and they lose to, to Texas. I see. Gotcha. Okay. So I don't know well, far. Yeah, that's not bad. And I mean, our best player is hurt, so our chances are like a little bit lower than they would have been. But you know, we'll see. No, nope, like you said, nobody knows. It's all a guessing game. Nobody knows. <laughs> the trouble we've seen. All right. High key. <laughs> Reigning champs have targets on their backs in all sports. That's how it always is. And it's no different for the Lakers this season. With news that Anthony Davis will miss more time than expected, L.A. is adjusting to life without their all-star big man. Low-key, the team at the top of the East is in a similar situation. Joel Embiid is recovering from a bone bruise. Joy, are these injuries blessings in disguise, or should the Sixers and Lakers be worried? Oh, they should both be worried. Big time. Okay. And they should be worried because both of these players have very long storied injury histories. Yeah. yeah. So if this was a random thing, then I would say, no, it's just going to give them a little time to, to chill, uh, recover and be ready for the playoffs where mm-hmm. I know they're going to make it through the playoffs healthy. But that, that's, that's not necessarily the case. Uh, I, I'm more concerned about Anthony Davis than I am about Joel Embiid. Now, neither of these teams are going to make it to the championship without those players. Uh, and, and just like, like uh, uh, what was a couple of weeks ago, uh, like two weeks ago or whatever, I was like, yeah, the Jabs would beat the Lakers in the seven game series right now. And everyone was like melting down. Like, they yeah. would. 
They would absolutely <laughs> lose in a seven-game series without Anthony Davis. But everyone's like, oh, well, I hope you mean without, without Anthony Davis. Yeah, I do mean without Anthony Davis because that's exactly what the f- I said, without yeah. Anthony Davis. Yeah, but use your ears. Listen to them. Use your ears. <laughs> listen to the words. Listen to the words that are coming out of my mouth. Without <laughs> Anthony Davis, yes, they would lose in a seven-game series to the best team in the West right now. Um, mm-hmm. Now, I don't think that they won't have Anthony Davis, and I don't think the Sixers will be without Joel Embiid, but will they be 100% healthy? I'm less concerned about Joel Embiid because it doesn't seem like he's going to miss as much time. Yeah, And, true. you know, I, I, like Anthony Davis has been out for weeks and he's going to have to get back in basketball shape if, they, if he's going to be out for at least two more weeks. Um, it's starting to make me nervous, man. He's, he's fragile and the Lakers absolutely need him to win a championship. Maybe they can get to the NBA Finals. I don't see it without Anthony Davis, but they're certainly not going to beat the Brooklyn Nets, who I am assuming are going to be representing the East in the NBA Finals this year. That's too much to overcome, even for the great LeBron James, who's going to win the MVP now because Joel Embiid is out. And it's not that he doesn't deserve it because he absolutely does, but that's just how it goes. And um, yeah, things are starting to get interesting in the uh, second half of the NBA season. Yeah, that's a fact. Uh, this is a this is a captain obvious comment, but I mean injuries suck. We want to see these teams at full strength. So uh, prayers up to both teams. Hopefully they'll they'll yeah. get back at it. Yeah. No, All I right. definitely hope they do. I don't want to see them without Anthony Davis. No, nobody wants to see that. Better basketball is all we ask for. For sure. All right. Hi, Key. Some of the loose ends of professional boxing are being tied with the announcement that heavyweight champs Anthony Joshua and Tyson Fury have agreed to a two fight deal that'll see the crowning of an undisputed champ. Low-key, this has been a long time coming, and with the location and the date yet to be set, Fury says he's indulging in brews and booze in the meantime. <laughs> Joy, <laughs> despite the uncertainty and all that beer, this is the event that the sport of boxing desperately needs. It des- definitely, definitely high-key does. Uh, I'm a fan of both of these fighters. Um, I love heavyweight fights. I like fights in general, but yeah. heavyweight fights have a little extra some little extra sauce, a little extra spice to them. Fury is one of those interesting fighters where, you know, you look at Anthony Joshua's body and then you look at Tyson Fury's body and you're like, yeah, "Mm, there's a clear difference. But as we've seen with Anthony Joshua, the body type does not matter. (laughs) Andy Ruiz would let you know that in a heartbeat. Um, I, I think that the, I mean, just based off of, you know, Instagram and Twitter reaction yesterday to this, um, the story, the, the public seems to be on Fury, heavy. So uh, I, I don't know yet. I'd have to wait and see uh, how things go with Fury leading up to your point. You know, he's, he's got to be in shape. He was in amazing shape for that, that second Wilder fight. Amazing yeah. shape. Yeah. You could tell his body looked completely different. Um, he was ready for that. So mm-hmm. will he be ready for Anthony Joshua? And Anthony Joshua knows what it's like to go into a ring and lose on a big stage. Um, so I don't think he's not going to take this seriously. So I'm really looking forward to this. They're saying it'll be June and July for the first one. And then the rematch is a two fight deal. The rematch will be in November or December. I was reading it, it might be in the Middle East. Um, you know, it's, it's, I don't know that it would be anywhere in the States other than probably Texas. Okay. But, you know, I mean, just based off of where you can actually have the capacity that they would want to have it. Exactly. Um, but we'll see. I'm looking forward to it. You know, fight nights are one of the, the sporting events that I desperately miss going to. Yeah, um, for sure. And then taken away from us during COVID. So um, either way, it's going to be a great watch. And, and, and it needs it. It needs a, a unifying bout. And that's what this is. So um, it's two big names, biggest name in sports. 
in the sport. So uh, I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, man. Let's get ready to rumble. <laughs> You have to pay for that. Oh, dang it. Dang it. I got to cut that. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, T. What's going on in Culture Report this week? Hey, Joy. So I really enjoyed the Grammys this year. Um, I love Trevor Noah as the host. I honestly feel like he can host everything, and I would just never get tired of seeing him. Um, Beyonce made history winning uh, the most Grammys ever between male and female. And, like, what an icon. Like, this is why she's Queen B, because she's literally untouchable. So, kudos to her. Uh, the performances were amazing. Megan and Cardi B literally had me speechless. Uh, I think they killed it. Um, I loved Anderson Pack and Bruno Mars. That was another one of my favorite performances. Um, their voices together to me is just like pure magic. Um, I love the 70s vibe. I have such an old soul. So I was so into that, their performance. Plus their new song, Leave the Door Open, I think is fire. Then um, they also did like a, a little Richard tribute. And I think them two together is just, I'm super happy about it. I didn't know that they, that their new group was like Silk Sonic. I didn't know that. I just thought they just did a, a song together. So I'm really happy about that. Um, I also really enjoyed the workers at independent music venues. I, I think it was nice to see them presenting awards. Like that was nice to see. And I'd actually love to see that continuing these award shows. But honestly, like, no complaints. I just really enjoyed it. What did you think? I'm so conflicted about the Grammys because I feel like there's always something problematic before the Grammys happen, like someone who should have been nominated or someone wins and you're like, and it's like Macklemore and you're like, Mm -hmm. but they always have great moments and they did uh, finally give Beyonce her full flowers. And uh, I love that Blue Ivy is a Grammy winner now as well. Uh, Tiffany Haddish had a great moment where she found out that she won a Grammy. So it's still a very prestigious honor, obviously. And that's kind of why it, it, it makes me conflicted because you know the, the awards show itself always has amazing performances. I love Meg Thee Stallion. Obviously we love Cardi B as well. She looks incredible. I love the short hair on her. Um, but it, I, I'm always like, but, but, there's always a but. And um, that, I wish that they would fix that. <laughs> I know they are making efforts too, but um, overall, everyone's performances were great. Um, but it's always like, there's always someone who gets, uh, I mean, like it's awards. So someone's going to get left out, but it just feels like, you know, maybe make it less egregious. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I'm, I mean, I'm pretty sure it's rigged. Like, I mean, that's just, <laughs> no, <laughs> I mean, I mean it's like, it's the same as like the Oscars. Like, you know, you kind of have to campaign and you know, there are, there's some politics behind it. It doesn't make it any less of an amazing thing to win, but you know, like anything in life, there's a little bit of politics and that goes on. So, yeah. <laughs> so, um, I did watch, um, well, I didn't watch the bachelor, but I, I obviously watched the, uh, after the rose, um, with Emmanuel Acho, who's hosting, who I think did a phenomenal job. Um, I like him as a person. So I was like, I'm gonna definitely watch support him. Um, I think he asked difficult questions. I think he asked um, questions that people on both sides would ask uh, without showing any biases. I think he made it a safe space for people to be to express themselves, but to be understood as well. And I just, I love that. It, it honestly reminded me a little bit of Oprah style. I, I, I really I really enjoy um, hear, like listening to him. Um, but I feel like that there's just so much to unpack with this show and I'll try not to be long-winded, but I believe that like, I believe that things happen for a reason, Joy. And I think with this show having a lot of concerns about racism, if you will, 
I mean, isn't it ironic that a black man chooses a non-black woman and then things start to resurface from her past and it forces them to talk about things that are uncomfortable on such a popular show? I just don't think it's a coincidence. I mean, as far as Rachel, I mean, I really don't have the words. I'm kind of exhausted from the same narrative, but I don't know. I mean, I think when you date somebody that isn't black, I think you have to assume that they don't know the, they don't always know the struggle of black people. And yes, they can learn, but sometimes like your upbringing can influence why you say and do things that you do. Never saying that that's okay. But what I'm saying is like, when you do date people who don't understand the struggle or you know what's what's what, what's happened in the past like be prepared to educate so I mean her taking those photos in the plantation like that could have been innocent but you hear about her bullying people and making racist remarks I don't really know how accurate that is but I think from watching that this after the final rose show I learned from Matt James that he didn't he can't communicate he almost like he knows what he wants and in my opinion I think all this happening made it in an easy way for him to just get out of the relationship to me I don't think he was ready for it but what do I know <laughs> well I don't disagree with anything you said uh, I will I'll follow up with yes Emmanuel did an amazing job and Chris Harrison could never, could never. okay it was it was in, it would be inappropriate to have him in that space even without the the way that he spoke to Rachel Lindsay and that interview that caused him to be removed from the show for that reason. So Emmanuel did a great job with that. It was very Oprah-like, asked questions that both sides, even though there shouldn't be sides to this, but there are, would want to, to have answered. Um, I thought that I thought that Rachel was accountable. I like that she didn't make any excuses for it. I like that she didn't say, you know, well, I'm from the South or this or that. Um, so she took accountability for it. Reading between the lines, and this is just my opinion, based off of what Matt said, it sounded like um, he called her to talk about the pictures and she didn't in that moment understand what the problem was initially. That's what it sounded like the conversation went like. Now he used a lot more words and said it differently, but that seems like that's why that relationship ended because he you know, he said like he defended her at first that it was just rumors. And when he saw the pictures, like asked her about it and he was like, there was just like a lack of understanding. So I could see her being like, what's the problem? So that's, that makes sense why he's like, and he said like, I shouldn't have to be the one to have, I shouldn't have to have this conversation. Like I didn't sign up to have this conversation. And yes, when you date someone who is, uh, who is white or is from any different culture that you're not from, there's going to be things that they might not understand or things that they, you know, are insensitive to. Um, but understanding that that's an issue is not difficult. When someone says, like, as a friend, you're my friend. If I said something that bothered you for any reason and you were like, Joy, like, it kind of bothered me that you said this, my response wouldn't be, wow, I'm a banana. Yeah. Like, my response would be like, I'm sorry. First of all, I'm sorry for offending you and if I didn't understand what it what, like why it was what I said that was offended you I don't even know that I would ask you why were you offended I think I would just do my own searching to understand so uh, you know I thought the conversation was I thought it was tempered properly like it wasn't it was very intense but it wasn't overly emotional to the point where people could not understand why it is offensive 
to be at plantation parties and why that's always offensive, whether it's 2018 or 2021 or 1784. So um, I think it was good that it happens. You're absolutely right. This is a show that has struggled mightily with inclusion. And it's, it's quite ironic that the girl who ends up winning, if you will say that, because he didn't propose because he wasn't ready to get married. Right. Um, he wasn't ready. No, and it's like, it's, uh, look, we all suspend reality to watch this show, right? Because you wouldn't, in any kind of normal setting, propose to someone. Now, some people do, but it's not recommended to propose them to someone you've been on three private dates with. But that's what the show is. And, you know, it's, it's a reality show. But we assume that you are there because you do want to get married. And he just wanted a girl, not to get married. Like you were not, you, one statement from your mom is not going to trigger you into thinking that you don't want to get married yet. Like the idea that love is not enough is not limited to marriage. Love isn't enough for a relationship. Like, yes, of course you love the person, but if one person uh, is vegan and doesn't believe in having meat in the house and you're dating a butcher, that's going to be difficult. Okay. Like love is not enough for any relationship, for a friendship, for anything. So that's not like, I, I don't know that that, I mean, look, whatever. He claims that triggered him. You didn't watch the show. So I'm speaking mostly to people who watch the show now. His mom said, you know, is love enough? And then that like spiraled him into not proposing. Um, I was kind of disappointed in the overall ending of the show. Obviously, Michelle is the queen and I wanted him to pick Michelle, but you kind of knew that he picked Rachel because otherwise the outrage and reaction from the show, the actual show probably wouldn't have been as intense if she had gone in like the second week. Um, but Michelle is the new bachelorette. So That's Michelle nice. and Katie, Katie's going to be first and then Michelle will be in the fall. I'm really looking forward to that. I thought that was a great choice by the producers. Um, Katie, it's fine, but <laughs> I stand, I stand Michelle. Uh, I would have liked to see Brie also, but yeah, I thought that after the rose, the whole show was really put together very nicely. I thought it answered a lot of questions and explained things very well and really showed, you know, the sometimes interracial dating can lead to some very uncomfortable conversations that need to be had. And, you know, it was that he had, he felt a lot of pressure as a black man to represent black men and their journey of love to America. Cause a lot of people, millions of people watch the show. So I thought it, it, there was a lot of tea and it was a lot of very uh, tense moments, but I enjoyed uh, I enjoyed watching it and I'm looking forward to seeing Michelle. So I guess I'm, a I'm part of Bachelor Nation now. You should join me in the fall and watch Michelle. You know, I, honestly, I, I will say I did look on YouTube, the clip, because I, I was just curious to see how he broke up with her. And it was just trash. I mean, he literally didn't say anything. And I'm like, okay, she dodged a bullet. Oh, I'm Michelle? honestly team Michelle. I want to watch. Oh, yeah. yeah, she oh, deserved yeah, better yeah. than that. <laughs> Yeah, and she, like, he didn't say anything. And Nothing. In my opinion, he was just more attracted to Rachel. So he picked the person who he was more attracted to because Michelle was all around, like, a better match for him. Um, but, yeah, I mean, yeah, there was no explanation at all. That's what she told him. You Like, I hope you have more to say than thank you for sharing. Right. That's what he would say. The other show, like, some of them would be like, I'm falling in love with you. And he'd be like, Thank you for sharing. It's actually not a bad line. It's not a bad line. I think I'm going to take it. I think I'm going to take it. Thank you for sharing. Yeah. 
lame. <laughs> it's always said to me, I canceled it. I'm like, love them. Like, I love, I'm falling in love with you. Thank, thank you for sharing. sharing. I'd be, I would be mortified. Oh gosh. Uh, I'm so done with you. I'm so done with you. I liked Matt though. Um, I can't imagine it wasn't stressful um, with a lot of pressure. Um, you know, a thing to do. And it, sh it showed, he showed a lot of his family on the show, you know, his relationship with his father um, and, you know, what that, you know, broken relationship did to him. And I thought he was very, he was very vulnerable. Um, you know, it's, it's a tough show to do and come out spotless. Yeah. Um, so I, I wouldn't say that, but overall, I thought he, I thought he just wasn't ready to get engaged, which look, I mean, I, that's why I'm not, I'm not going to do that show. Could you imagine me on that show? Joy, I could, I could, honestly, I'm not going to lie. I could see you being the bachelorette. <laughs> no, listen, stop, stop. Cause I know Donnie is listening to this too. And this is nonsense. You all know this would not last one week. I would be on that show. <laughs> if somebody would say something funny, I'd be like, no, nah, you're not getting the rose. So you could just go now for real. You on my nerves, actually. <laughs> no, I'm not joking at all. You can't, no, what? No, mm -mm. I can't do it. I'm not nice enough. People think I'm not. I don't know. Do people think I'm nice? I think some people think I'm nice. I'm not nice enough to do that. They have to be used to be really nice. I think, I mean, well, I think you're nice. I think you're honest, but I think, I know you wouldn't do this show, but I was like, Joy would be, Joy, you would, I think it would, I would watch it for sure. See, you will watch it, but my concern is with pe what people react to. You know, that's the problem. Yeah. And people don't like the truth. They don't. I don't know if I'm, I don't know if it's just always the truth. It's just my truth, but <laughs> thanks so much for joining us today, guys. Make sure you subscribe and share, follow us on social media at maybe I'm crazy pod myself at joy Taylor talks. You can listen to the podcast anywhere you listen to podcasts, iHeartMedia, Apple podcasts, SoundCloud and Spotify. And of course, watch on YouTube as well. Uh, join us next week and be safe. Maybe I'm crazy. Maybe I'm not. Oh.